Hey there, this episode concludes our week on body language. If you haven't heard some of the previous guests, I highly encourage you to check them out. These include Mark Bowden, along with his co-author and partner, Tracy Thompson. That was actually Mark Bowden's second appearance. I have also had on folks like Chase Hughes, who wrote the Ellipsis Manual and discusses behavioral engineering, along with Chris Voss, former FBI hostage negotiator and author of Never Split the Difference. Today, we have Scott Rouse, another amazing body language expert. He has been on multiple television networks giving feedback on body language and is a true master. Be sure to listen through as Scott is giving unstructured listeners an incredible deal on a master body language course. Look, I'm not exaggerating. This deal is fantastic. Lastly, if you haven't already subscribed, I hope that you consider doing it as I have some other amazing guests coming down the line. Thanks for tuning in. And I give you Scott Rouse. This is Unstructured. Today we are joined by Scott Rouse. Scott Rouse is a body language expert. He's from scottrouse.com. You can find him on YouTube. His channel is starting to climb. Now, Scott is quietly one of those guys who's out there doing it all the time, doing keynotes and stuff, but I hadn't heard him. He's flying a little bit under the radar. I think too busy actually packing the courtrooms and actually applying the craft to the field. Big honor to have him on. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing great. How are you holding up? I'm doing fine. Now, we have some of the same friends, so I'm going to be dropping names left and right. We'll probably talk about them, and hopefully others will check out the shows. I've had Mark Bowden on, and Mark Bowden will also be on again, and Chase Hughes. Yeah. Now, earlier, I sent you um, something from Chase Hughes, mm-hmm. who's a former guest, and it's the Behavioral Table of Elements. Right, right. And I thought that might be kind of a good launching point to see what you think of the veracity of the principle mm-hmm. that when reading in body language, you're not looking for one single thing. You're looking for clusters of behavior yeah. and you can add those together. Right. Right. Well, looking at that, there's a, a thing. If, if there's a, uh, a, an interrogation technique called the read technique and most everybody that I know that's in interrogation that's on here now, they'll all know what I'm talking about. And in, and in part of the read technique that was developed, I believe in the seventies, and it's it's a technique in interrogation. There there's different kinds of techniques. This is just one of them. But there's also a chart with the read technique, a small chart that has little things that are similar to that, not as widespread and as microscoped as chases are. <laughs> because I looked at that, I was like, holy smokes, man! You know, it's like, how could you remember all that stuff? And you start looking, and you go, well, I know that, I know that, I know that. But he's taken all those little those little parts and just broken them all down. And said, well, here it is. You know, and it was it was fascinating seeing all that stuff. But I'm thinking, holy smokes, where's this guy get the time to do all that? I mean, I thought I was a, a nerd when it comes to this. You know, that's what I was, I was saying earlier. That guy, if I ever meet him, he's gonna he'll like me at first for like the first eleven or twelve minutes. But getting about an hour and a half, he's gonna go, gee, we're gonna you know get this guy away from me because you know obviously he's into the minutia of all that, and I am too. So he'll like me at first, but I think he'll hate my guts and hate seeing me coming because I'll have so many questions I want to talk about it make sure I've got the same amount he's got. I think actually you guys would get along. One thing that he does, and I wanted to see what your thoughts were on that too, is he makes sure to videotape everything. (laughs) And then at his leisure, Mm -hmm. 
he plays back the video in slow-mo and everything else without sound with sound then he can take a look at the minutia mm-hmm. because he's looking okay yeah. what just happened there oh well, there's a little this and a little that because it's paused and so he has plenty of time to leisurely break down every element of it. yeah yeah that's that's as as nerd and cornball as it sounds, that's one of my favorite things in the world to do, especially if I'm doing an interrogation and, and, and I get the uh, video. You know, if you do, I'll do a lot of financial uh, mm. thing, you know, for financial companies, banks. Embezzling and, and stuff. Yeah, man, it's my favorite. And uh, <laughs> being able to take those back and look at them, breaking down and watch them later on and go, yeah, I was right about this. I was right about that. Because all these things pass by. And if you if you blink or you're looking down, look at a note for a question or you're writing something down or anything else, you'll miss a lot of things. So being able to watch those videos later is just, I, I just, I love it. And I, it's hard to find somebody to nerd out with on all that stuff. And Greg, he tolerates that, I think, with me. But, he, <laughs> but that's about it. You know, it's like, dude, let's get into the... Well, it's, it's fascinating, though, because it's like, it, that's important, too. Uh, I've also had Chris Voss on, and, and he's a, a negotiator. Yeah. And I think there's some similarity or crossover with you guys. Yeah. And yeah. he has to be in the moment. You oh, can't yeah. say, oh, wait, let me play back the video for our negotiation right or, now. Or he's on the, most likely <laughs> on the phone with him. So that's, a, that's the thing about those situations. That guy, that's a great book. And what a great personality, too, to fit that, man. Perfect. <laughs> I've watched like a lot of interviews with him, and he, what a great guy. He sounds like, but I'm sure he's one of those guys, you meet him, and everybody feels the same about him. Dude, he's a cool guy. I like that guy. So that'd be one of those, and you may not know what he really thinks about you. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm not saying he would try to hide it, but I'm just saying after mm-hmm. you, I think after you hung out for a while, you probably get you get a vibe where he did not. But I think you get the vibe he liked you regardless. Oh, but he's a curious guy, and I, I think that you have that same vibe. Um, Chase has the same vibe. Greg has the same vibe, and especially Mark Bowden yeah. has that same vibe. What a sweetheart, man! I love that guy. But I he's love curious. Mark Bowden. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, and and that just makes you feel so good yeah you, he's busy asking about you and he's genuinely curious about you and yeah but what are you doing he's and, collecting information though too just so you know of course he is yeah. of course he is so that's but now, god he's, yeah he's a great guy i like him a lot actually that brings me to another question since you are constantly either watching people or interrogating them directly mm-hmm. have you found that uh the type a shall we say cocksure personality is some of the easiest to read versus the uncertain personality uh what well, you know i love both of them i really do i love and no matter what type i'm i'm talking to or dealing with it's just like christmas every time i go into it, it's like oh here we go those those seem to be the easiest because you the danger of that it not physical danger but the the problem with making sure you don't make any mistakes is once you you get used to that personality type you keep seeing it, you say i know exactly what this kind of guy is going to do i know what he's going to do and everybody's different and once you start going down that road i got this i know what he is he's a, a this or he's a that he's a that and i know what's going to happen after a while you get used to it and it's normal to to get used to that that's when you'll start making mistakes and, and you won't you'll make decisions that that aren't that don't go with what's actually going on because you'll be so comfortable. You get all, you'll get all cocky, you know, you'll go in, Oh, you know, Hey man, I got this. I, that's the excitement I like is not knowing when you go in and you see the type of personality it is. And then start looking for the, on one, one side, you're looking for the differences of all the other ones you've talked to like that. While at the same time, you're, you're looking for the things that are the same as you ask questions and you observe what their behavior is doing. How do you inoculate yourself against the cognitive bias or, as you put it, being caught into a pattern? Because I imagine when you go in, 
you've been primed with a lot of information. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you, you may be halfway to a judgment or a verdict before you even see them. How, you know, how do you inoculate yourself against that to say, okay, clean slate. Yeah. It, that's tough to do. That's really hard. Cause, cause sometimes you hear people coming in, depending on where you are, did this guy, what an asshole, this guy, he's always been this way. He's always, he's stealing this or he's done this. You get all this information that builds up and goes, oh, he, he must've done it. But I mean, there are other times when I'll go in and people just be sure this is the person and it's not the person at all. So to inoculate yourself in my case, anyway, I just keep thinking, I just keep looking at it as I'm collecting that information for the first time as I'm going through it with them. I've got tons of information that I'm that's I'm sure is being sifted through and all that. But as I'm I'm watching that person and talking to them, I'm not assuming already they've done anything. I keep making sure. You can't see there are what I call absolutists that will say, oh, he scratches nose. And that means he's lying. This means that. Those things don't sure. mean squat by themselves. But once you mm. you start collecting those things and saying okay and then you ask a question and you see a specific or a certain reaction and then a couple minutes later you'll ask the same question again in another way and see if you get the same type of reaction because their brains is this the rule of three that you've talked about yeah yeah that's the that's what i go by is the rule of three is you can see three things some people will say ah, oh, you know don't don't do you know groups and if it's just three but once i start seeing three I, that's when i start saying okay well this looks like they're headed down the road of uh, being honest with me or being deceptive about something. I like to see all those people can sh- will feel nervous and start shaking their leg or they'll they'll start using the small adapters. And you can look at that and go, oh, okay, I get that. But I always want to make sure. And then it's, I wanna, I'm looking for one or two other ones at the same time. I don't want to go off just the one thing because I, I don't think that's potent enough as an answer for you, seeing the one thing and then say, oh, I know what that means and moving on. You just got to keep saying, okay, the, I always go in with, okay, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. The person's innocent. And I'm just making sure they didn't do it. That's one that in some cases, other cases, you got to go in and you can just see it on them. You know, when you first go in, you go, oh gosh, this is, you know, I'll be out of here in 30, 45 minutes, an hour. Do you, you need know. to establish a, a, a real baseline with them though, ahead of time to, oh, yeah. to make sure that, you know, the person just doesn't have that tick or, oh, or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah that may go on yeah that's the most that's the most important part i mean when you talk to greg that's his that's he's the master of that and getting the base a baseline on someone's behavior i do it by asking questions you know and i, I have a list of stuff answer questions that i already know the answers to so where are you from you know how long have you been married all these kind of things but i but i don't ask them one after the other I act like i'm waiting on someone or waiting for something to happen and i have somebody come in and, and hand me something so it looks like so the waiting I've been doing looks valid. They were all get up and leave. So I ask them questions for 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes and just see what they look like. Wait till they get a little bit bored, depending on what kind of person they are. If, I've, if I'm already aware they're there, let's say just to make just to make a long story short, let's say we know that they're, they're touch narcissistic or they're going to be uh, they like to be in charge and all that. There are a couple of tactics and things you can do to make them think that they're in charge. So you look like the lower man on that totem. You'll pole. be more submissive toward them. I oh, know. Yeah. As Chase you, will walk in with his shirt kind of untucked and sloppy and pretend somebody's yelling at him. Oh, yeah. I said, okay, so you watch too much Columbo, eh? Oh, yeah. And he said he's got, see, that's the thing about him. This is another reason he'll hate me. 
He's, he said he's got all the he's got the box set of uh, the. If I wish I could spin this around, you could see it. I've got the same box set. I love Columbo. I love it. When it comes okay. on, I watch it. And my take on Columbo was this: every time I saw him, I I'm under the impression, or I like to think that when he comes in, he knows the guy or the girl did. As soon as he talks to him, because he gets that look on his face, and then he just works his way back from there. You know, he knows who it is. That's that's my thing. Not like he has ESP or something, but. It's it's one of those, and if you really get into it, you can see where different directors who are huge directors now directed different episodes of that. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the guy that did E.T. and all that? Uh, Spielberg. He directed a couple of them. And when you, you can see it on those things, you say, holy, why is this different than all the other ones? <laughs> and, you, and you can spot it on them. I think it's the one where uh, David, Cass- or David Cassidy's father, Jack Cassidy, was the author and ended mm-hmm. up killing his partner. I think that's the one that, that uh, he did. Well, Spielberg worked for Corman. I mean, everybody starts somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, but that, that was a great show. It really was. I mean, I remember when it was little, my, my parents watching it and stuff when I was little. And just a, a great, great show. Anyway, and you would agree that, that Bull is carrying the torch, right? See, <laughs> the thing about Bull, that's, that's one of those, you know, I don't know if he's saying anything. It's, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, hold up on the the validity of the information they're using for body language and you know that behavior i shouldn't oh, say so you, that. you mean you don't have a mirrored jury inside of a room that'll light up automatically as if they're connected yeah, psychically not with as a real jury not as often as i'd like to but uh <laughs> yeah I mean, there's that but i mean the parts where, where they talk about where he shoots out these little bits of him you know oh behavior is this and then he says something about behavior and it's like geez dude that's not right at all <laughs> It's like the seven thirty eight fifty five rule. You know, I think he says that communication is seven percent words. And oh, I was going to go there too. I know you love that. Oh God, that's my that's the one I just hate the most. When I hear that come out of somebody's mouth, I want to go, dude. I talked to that. I talked to Marabi, and he told me that himself to tell you when it came up. Anybody that comes up to you say no, this didn't happen. So let's break that down because that that is really commonly used and said. Oh yeah. So, so it's what is the rule? It's the 738.55 rule of communication. And that's the one you hear these quote-unquote body language experts when they've been Googling and decide, I want to be a body language expert. And they go out and start teaching people and telling people about the 738.55 rule. And it doesn't mean they're lying. It just means they're not up to date. Since 1967, they haven't brought their information up to date. <laughs> so a little bit behind. Communication is 7% words, uh, the words you use, 38% the tone of voice, and 55% body language. And my go-to on that is always, well, then go, let, let's play the little charades here and see how, without using any words at all, see how good you can, you can communicate with me, you know, <laughs> and it's, 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 it just shows you how important speaking is and talking is body sure. language is one thing, but it's, it's, you've got body language then you, and you've got nonverbals, but people make sounds as well without talking, without using words as they're speaking. For example, they'll say, I was watching a, um, a, a guy Yesterday, watching a, a deposition because I do I do depositions as well for uh, attorneys, and the guy would speak and he'd go uh, and make these little little uh, and when they did so and so and then uh, these little you know pushing mm-hmm. noises, and so I figured I finally figured out when he was doing these as as a lot of people do he's just re- recalling information where it's supposed to be he was asked a question that was supposed to be new to him it was something he's rehearsed. 
So he's thinking oh. about the answer that's given him in this case, not in every case, but in this one case that was giving him the time to to recall that story and run it through again because he hasn't he hasn't people will deliver stories when they've rehearsed them. They'll sure. deliver a story if they've rehearsed it out loud, it sounds different than when they've rehearsed it in their head. You know, gotcha. if, like if, for example, if you ask someone, uh, uh, "What did you do this?" or "Did you do this?" Did you you know light the car on fire that caught the house on fire that burned the house down? And they'll say, "No, I did not." And the thing is, they'll say when they say, "No, I did not," you go, "Who talks like that?" You know, you want to go to uh, Arby's? No, I do not. No one <laughs> talk. You know, nobody talks that way. No contractions. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they they say the full words, and it's like, "Geez, dude." And you can. And I've been in uh, getting ready to go in to talk to someone to interview someone and watching them on, on the monitor, and they're going, "No, I did not. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I did not." Oh I God. Not. Oh yeah. And they don't realize you. They a lot of times don't realize they're doing it, but that's how they're rehearsing it. So when you ask them, "No, I did not." So they come, they come right out with it that way. So. Have you ever come across a pompous prick though, who actually speak that way? Because um, there are some who are, pardon me, I speak correctly. Yeah. And I, <laughs> but then you, you, yeah, but then you, when you push them a little bit, then that vernacular changes a little bit to their, uh, to a little bit dirtier. And, you, and it's hard to keep up with, you know, it's hard to keep that, that um, style of vernacular, the, the higher end up. You know, for a long time, even though they're, they're smart, and they talk about they talk that way the whole time. Uh, after a while, they'll break down and start using uh, their contractions. Will get a little a little lighter, and they'll, you'll hear more. So, but yeah, I've run across those people plenty. You know, <laughs> what is your path getting there? I understand that you learned this to start in a doctor's office with your father. With my dad, we were little kids, and we lived in a town called Louisa, Kentucky. And Louisa didn't have very many people in it. And my dad was a, he, one of just one or two doctors there in Louisa. And he was all the time telling me about what I know now is, and after that, talking to him about it, bedside manner. When I was six or seven, we, li- we lived next door to the school in Louisa, Kentucky, my family did. A really small town. And just a few blocks down from where we lived was the hospital, which was just a big old, a really big house. You know, mm-hmm. and that's where the the doc, you go if you had to go to the doctor. They did surgery there. My dad did did everything there, and my mom would take my brother and my sister and I uh, at lunchtime. We walk down the hospital, have lunch with them, and then then she'd walk us back to school since we were right next door. And one time we went to uh, uh, the hospital to have lunch with him, went in his office, and there were people in the you know you could see everybody in the place. And there were people sitting out there, and two of my friends from the second grade were there. It was. Uh, Robert Bellamy and Billy Mead. I'll never forget it. And I said to my dad, oh, look, there's Robert and Billy. And he and I said, I wonder what's wrong with them. My dad looked at him and he goes, well, Robert's got an earache. And I said, oh, he does? He said, yeah. Uh, and he said, he's got an earache and his mother was up with him all night long. And uh, so that's what's going on. He's gonna, He's got an earache. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And I said, well, what about Billy Mead? And he said, well, he looks at Billy and said, well, See how his mother is, she's, you know, her hair looks the way it should, and she's got her makeup on. And I said, yeah. You see how he's sitting on that bench and he's kicking his legs and reading that magazine? He's like highlights or something. And I said, yeah. He said, that tells me that he's not sick. And he said, in just a minute, his mom's going to pat him on the arm, and he's going to, that expression that's on his face is going to go away, and he's going to look like he's sad. And he's going to look up at his mother, and they'll talk for a minute, and then he'll go back to sitting there again, and he'll start kicking his legs, and his face will go back the way it is as, as it is now. And within two or three minutes, so I'm a gun. The kid did that, and I thought it was like magic. I was like, "God, tell me more." So he, he, he you know, he would read me stuff and tell me about 
what I know now is bedside manner with people. How can you tell if, when you ask somebody if you, you, know, you drinking much and they were like a hardcore alcoholic, how the little things that he could, he used to tell him with somebody who was being honest with him. Because it was important to know if somebody's an alcoholic, you can't give them specific drugs or these types of things. And they may be uh, embarrassed to tell you that they drink. You know, okay. they may be. Now, wait, um, as a kid, were you saying, oh, shit, my life is screwed? Well, he would do <laughs> stuff. No, because he would do stuff like this. I remember one time. We in this old house we lived in, we had a furnace and it was in the it was in the floor, you know, it was under the floor. And one of us had left this little plastic boat on the furnace. And my dad said, Okay, who did this? And we're all like, I don't know, it wasn't me. And it was three of us, my sister, uh, Ellen, my brother Mitch, and me. And he said, Well, come over here and stand. And he said, Let me see your hands. And we, we like held our hands up and he goes, Okay, I know who did it. And then my brother just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> so he was all, he would do things like that because he knew if if we believed that he believed us, then you know if he could tell, then we were oh, we were funny. busted, you know. So, I didn't know if he was um, using a punishment question on you or something. Oh no 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 he, no we he didn't get that far into it. I mean for a, a you nine, didn't have to. It sounds like <laughs> oh yeah I didn't have to. I guess I was going to say I was nine. I wasn't. However old you are in the first and second grades when we were was how old yeah, we were when six, that happened. Okay. Six or seven. Okay, geez, yeah, that is little. But he would read me stuff. He would bring home uh, books and show me things from. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the, uh, some of those books. The very first book was uh, not Alan Pease. What's the guy's name? Uh, the very Peace. first Pease. Yeah, yeah, Alan Pease. Yeah, but this, the very first book was by. Uh, gosh, I can't believe I, I've got a copy of. It. I got a, one of the first editions of it. Uh, I guess I can't remember his name. No, first Vince Appeal? No, no, no. This guy was specifically for body language. The first, I mean, oh, body language. Okay, this is the first I can think of. Or. Yeah, he's he's written some good stuff. You know, um, first wait a second, body language. <laughs> Buck, what's this guy's name? Um, jeez, Julius Fast. Dang it, that's right, Julius Fast. Okay. And it was like body language or something. It had some woman on the front, you know, and she looked like uh, she was ready. And but my dad would read me things from different uh, different books. I don't know if that was the one he read from, but so now uh, did he have an actual interest in it himself versus just bedside manner? I mean, it sounds like he took it beyond just an innate skill. Like he actually saw it as a science and was studying it. it I guess in a way, because he, he had to do that in that case. And I guess as a doctor, you have to do that a lot. You have to really figure out what somebody's thinking and feeling. Um, not that they're lying to you or whatever, but so you can help them, you know, help them get better. And I think that's, that's one of the, the tactics or things that he did was, was learning how somebody acted and reacted to things. Um, that brings up a good point when you said, you know, you never know what they're going to tell you and all that. Mm -hmm. I know that you like to talk about, and you had a really cute video about um, when people ask you, can you turn it off? Oh, yeah. And you say, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, man, of no course, problem. you can't. And, mm. you know, I guess Chase is the um, added star of the show. He keeps coming up. Mm. One thing he's constantly said is that in the end, you just find out that everybody is kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. You know, everybody lies. And you kind of feel bad for them. You, you, mm -hmm. At first you feel a little arrogant, like, Oh, I know. And then over time you're just like, you know, they hurt. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's, that's, uh, that's deep. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I, I agree with that. You know, it's uh, after a while you just, 
when you first start doing this, it's like when you first get into psychopathy, you start thinking everybody's a psychopath. You know, you're thinking, geez, dude, I know this guy in the dang second grade. I know that guy was a psychopath, man. The guy sat behind. It's one of those. Everybody you you meet or think about for about, when I was 23 or 24, I guess, is when I first started getting into it. Everybody I met was a psychopath for like a year and a half. And guys, a psychopath. Until you learn that that's, you know, a lot of times you can't even tell. It takes sometimes six months to a year to be able to diagnose somebody. And you're really not diagnosing them. You're just making decisions about them yourself, you know, if you really get down to it. And ironically, it's not even a diagnosable condition, technically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The DSM, it's not, it's not even, it used to be, but now it's out, you know. Uh, I forget what year. But they call it something else. I don't know what they call well, it. Well, it's it's part of the borderline personality yeah. spectrum, or something like that. So that that's perfect. It leads us down the line because I'm wondering. Most people don't just say, "Oh, I'm a body language expert." I guess well, it is sort of a self declared field. Yeah. But you've been at this for a while. Yeah. Did you go to school? Um, get a psychology degree? How did you? Well, there's really no, there's no school that tell that you can learn. You've got to, you've got to read everything. And when I started realizing these people I was listening to or seeing weren't, didn't have all the, weren't correct on a lot of their information. I was like, I got to find this stuff out myself. That's when I started getting to the, uh, the, um, the research part of it, really jumping in, going deep on that, like way too far. You know, I'm not a, a doctor. I never could be, but the neurological side of it was, was the part that fascinated me because I knew that's what ran. When I give you information, what does your brain do with that information? Was like, oh man, you know, for like, example, like Kahneman stuff, thinking fast and slow, and different things. Yeah, yeah. The, for your limbic system, if I was asking you a question and it shocks you, but you're trying not to look shocked, what's your brain going to do when it gets that information? It's going to think, oh god, they know he's asking me that, and I have that information. And if you're going to answer that question. Three things are going to happen. Number one, your brain's going to go, hang on a minute, man. We can't answer that. We can't answer that question because I, we're going to get in trouble if we do. And the second thing is going to happen. Your brain's going to go, well, what are we going to tell them? So it has to think something up. And then once it thinks up whatever the lie is going to be, it delivers it. And all the action happens in that delivery. Not all the action, but a lot of it, the, the, major, the majority right. of it happens in that delivery. You can see things as they're being... Uh, as they're going through how they're going to answer it or what that question is or what the answer should be, you can see those and they happen very quickly. You know, if you if if you're familiar with micro expressions and and sure. um, you see a lot of it there, that could almost be seen as like a ripple or an or an echo of an internal effect. Yeah, and that and believe me, that's its own study. There's so much that goes into that. You know, you have to get in. You know, Ekman was the first guy. Was the guy? He wasn't the first guy to come up with with uh, studying micro expressions or making them or 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 the suggestion of that, but he was the one that, that popularized it, you know. Um, I, that's a whole rat hole. I'll, I'll jump down oh, there and we'll cool. never get so, out. What was your f first job? What I'm saying is that how in the world do you find work? Hey, I'm a body language guy. I, mean, the, I hate the term body language expert because it's grouped in with other people who call themselves experts, body language expert, and they're not, you know. it's just, so, so a behavioral engineer? That's what yeah. Chafe calls himself. Yeah, and I think Greg says behavioral behavioral analyst or something. But work. Yeah, but I just I don't know. I haven't found a good word for it yet. But when you when you start this, you'll or like for me, I was in the music business for a long time, so I learned how to to pitch acts and pitch bands and pitch ideas for things. Oh, okay. And so when we were doing uh, as we did that, I would uh, people would say, "Dude, how did you say that? How did you know this guy was gonna, not going to you know, sign our band?" Back in the '80s, when all this was going on, there would be. Um, um, 
if you had a group that was similar to another group on another label, you might go to that label and say, hey, we want to, to, you to sign this group. And they would say, oh, yeah, it sounds great. We'll do that. And they were, and what they were doing was they would sign your, your act and just kind of and make a record and all that, but never put it out so it wouldn't compete with what they already had. Ah, yeah, so you had sense. to be able to see what those people were doing. And I could do that early on. You know, I was really good at that. And so we, we – uh, and, and it helped a lot with a lot of decisions we made for signing acts and those types of things. And f- that was cool and it was fun and it was, it was, and it was great doing it there. But then being able to help somebody if they're in a situation where there's a con – Somebody's trying to con them out of something, money, or if it's um, if you're a police officer, if there's something, if you're pulled somebody over, is this thing going to go, you know, is it going to go sideways on you? What's what's leading up to? If you ever watch cops and you watch them get somebody out of the car, and you know, like the, I guess the 101 for knowing somebody's going to run is you'll see whoever they've got against the car, they'll be looking right and left, you know, mm-hmm. looking for the, where they're going to run to, and they miss it most, you know, a lot of the time. Or the nostril flare. Yeah, you'll, yeah, well, yeah, and in those cases, they're going to be doing that a lot anyway because they're nervous. They're pulled out of the car. Anybody's going to—that's going to happen to a lot of them. So you really got to—you take that into consideration. But once it's once they start, they're a little bit stiff, and they'll start looking around. That's when they're most of the time going to run. I'm trying. Sorry, I'm getting down to the rat hole. But for me, <laughs> when, it, when it came to um, getting into doing depositions and and helping with picking juries and those types of things, it was just from attorneys I knew. They'd say, "Man, how do you know if somebody's doing going to do this?" And I would say, "If when you ask them this, look for these little things. When that happens, then you then you ask something else." Okay, so you pivoted. I, I'm I'm trying to get the actual job timeline on you know oh. how one does this as a career. So you were oh, oh how to I go about a manager of music, and then I was um, a record producer. Okay. Yeah. And, um, as, as I did that, uh, and this was in Boston cause I went to Berkeley college of music and, okay. um, had a bunch of work there and did a bunch of stuff, but I'd always play? been in you know, guitar and drums and keyboard, you know, this the same stuff everybody else does. The, the three biggies. Only multi-instrumentalist. Yeah. But it thing. sounds yeah, like well, it'd be really well. cool, but everybody, you know, it's like one of those things where like in Nashville, you can't hit sling a dead cat, not hit a, a banjo player. That's a, that's a fiddle player. That's a mandolin player. And they're all awesome. Sure. It's like, um, Run, they're all like miniature Ricky Skaggs is running around. And that guy can like play anything and everything like really well. So from that, when I moved to Nashville, I was in the music business as well and moved here because the music business had changed. And I saw it was moving. For, I, I saw the, the country music thing taking off. I saw that getting set up to happen. And this whole time, I was still into body language, still studying it, still reading everything I could possibly get my hands on, dealing with lawyers, dealing with, with cops I knew, helping them make decisions about what they were going to do, where, where they were headed. Uh, so it was just an obsess- obsession and yeah. kind of a sideline, like you would just help them because you were into it. Yeah, I just I couldn't get enough of it. I didn't know what you do in that case before, and then I'd just I'd two or three friends get together and I'd show them what to do, and then five or six to get over here and say I've got to bring my friend. Let's all talk about this. So that's when I really started training people or getting into that that part of it. And then uh, from there, I don't know. I just sort of all meshes together. Sort of been going on for years, so I, I never really started. You know, it's always it's been going on since I was six or seven. So I don't mm-hmm. ever get the feeling I actually began it, except for there. But um, I guess getting actually paid was, um, I don't know. I can't tell you. I've, I've always felt like I've been paid as well. So, but my, the big thing is getting in with attorneys, you know, getting to know them okay. and, and be able to do, uh, and depositions to find out if the client they're dealing with is lying to them. But there's a, an odd trend going on with attorneys right now. Like I get hired by two or three attorneys from the same um, uh, firm. 
And they're trying to decide if when somebody in their firm comes in to talk to them, are they trying to get the gig they've already got with that firm? Are they trying to get a case they're working on or one of those, those types of things? It's really, really interesting how that's working out. So you've got, you know what? You should start like writing everything down. You probably have screenplays on the works. Oh, you know, shoot. If I had time to do that, I probably would. Because <laughs> it sounds uh, like they're working angles. Like That was a question I actually had for you. Have you ever gone into a corporation or something to investigate Let's say a quote unquote embezzler, and the person mm-hmm. hired you is probably the one who did it. Uh, oh yeah, that's when that's one of the things you look for, because like if you get hired by a bank and you go in, they're going to have that the board will be sitting there, and what you've got to decide once you first go in there for for what I have to decide anyway, is as I'm talking to these people, I've got to decide whether one of these people. That's the first thing you've got to decide is one of the people in here have hired me. Are they the one that did it? Are they in cahoots with the one who did it? And they're going to be feeding that person information. And you can a lot of times you can tell by what's going on in their face what kind of inner dialogue they've got going on. You've always got the guy who smiles the whole time, and that's the guy that's thinking in his brain, "Did I check my email? Ah, but that so and so buzzing in my pocket. Oh God, I got to call him back." And then you got another guy that's going, "Oh, tonight's going to be great. We can go out to eat. We've been married ten years." I can <laughs> you know. And then you've got, and then you always, I can always tell who's the guy, who's the main money guy, because he looks at me with a, you know, a fairly blank face and he's thinking, I Googled this guy and I, you know, look at that haircut and that big nose. This better be good. This is expensive and he better be able to, oh, there's that look. Oh yeah. And <laughs> he's your you, best friend afterward, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they always love me. <laughs> and then you've got the guy that's, um, that's just bored and he's, it just could not possibly care less. And he's trying to, you know, he's, he's sitting there jiggling his leg looking back, you know, looking around and stuff. Then you'll have somebody who will not take their eyes off you. You know, they're watching you the whole time, listen to everything you say. <laughs> and you can see in their face, they're going, oh, no, this isn't good. This is, you know, I bet he's, I Googled this guy. This is not good at all. I'll, I'll, I'll bet he, <laughs> he, maybe he already knows it's me. You know, maybe they all know me. That's what this is. Maybe this is a, an intervention. Maybe that's what's happening. And you can see that guy. So then they'll usually have a group of people that think, well, we want one of these three or four people. And then I'll have to say, well, let me talk to you all separately as well so I can get an idea of what you think about these things. And then I'll have to talk to them. It takes longer because you don't want to say, I just want to talk to that guy or I just want to talk to that woman. That's my tactic anyway. Some other people may have other ways to approach it, but that's my approach. Those must take longer, but they have to be kind of more satisfying. They are. And they usually, a lot of times they happen on the weekend. If you have somebody that's there on the weekend, they're missing hanging out with their family. They're missing time off from sure. work. So when you call them in on Sunday or you call them in on Saturday, they're already going to be on edge a little bit. And so if they're if you're trying to get them to tell you about someone else in there, if you say, who else could have possibly have done this? And they'll say, I know who could have done Bill. it. It was Bill. Can I go now? No, <laughs> see, you know, I don't want to tell anybody. What do you think? What do you think? I would, I would check into Philip because they're going to be mad at Philip for making them be there. Mm-hmm. or Gladys or whoever it is. There are a million things, a million little approaches you can take and, and look at in, in, in those situations. I like to make the decisions about whether the person in there that I'm meeting with that's hiring me is the person who's actually done it. And it's not very often that it happens, but it does happen. Now, for people who want to do this or just even experiment with it in their own life, because mm-hmm. it could just be a factor whether they get promoted over somebody else. You know, oh, yeah. So they're going to do it as a living. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they could be in the conference room and go, oh, am I going to get shit canned on this project or am mm-hmm. I going to? So it's, it's all relevant. What would you say is the best first approach just to sit and observe? I would say um, start reading. There are so many good books out there, depending on, on if you're thinking, I want to be a body language expert. 
There are a lot of good books, and and there you have to really be careful about the ones you read because you'll get a lot of bad information, and you'll take that from that moment on. Usually, the, one of the first people you start reading and you start getting into that's you patting yourself after them. This is what Joan of Arrow would do. This is what Greg Hartley would do, you know. This is what Mark Bowden would do, those types of things. So you really have to be careful about the information you get. The ones that I, can, I, can, I know for sure and can vouch for and feel great about and, and not send you down a rat hole, uh, Joan of Arrow, his, he's got one called uh, um, What Everybody, what is, everybody saying. is Saying. That's such a great book. And then uh, Greg Hartley's got, you know, I Can Read You Like a Book, How to Spot a Liar. You've got... Several of his that are the most dangerous business uh, book you'll ever read, which is a fantastic book. It's hmm. it, that's a that's one to check out. A lot. Of it, I don't think it got the uh, the props it, it should have gotten um, when it came out. But man, it's a that's one of my favorite books of all time. Mark Bowden's books are great. You have to be really careful about what you get because you'll get this bad information and you run somebody like me who will. I usually don't call somebody on it, you know, unless they're they're telling me what they think because of this. And it's like, geez, man, here's why you're wrong. But mm-hmm. you'll run into books that's full of bad information or a person who's full of bad information. So to get into it, start reading, but read read the valid info. Start with, with Greg Hartley. Start with I Can Read You Like a Book. Great book. It's simple. It's easy, but it's got a lot. There's a lot in there. A lot in there. And then uh, Joe Navarro is, is great, too. That uh, What Everybody is Saying is is a fantastic book. And I'll um, throw in Chase Hughes' um, ellipsis behavior. I've got to read that. See, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't read that. And okay. I know I'm going to throw it in. He, yeah, he quotes Navarro and everybody, so it's yeah. kind of a safe yeah. one because he's sort of done something oh, yeah. highly. Oh yeah, Joe's like the um, James Brown. You know, he's the guy that's that's, mm. that's been in it and been around for a long time. And you have a book coming, don't you? Yeah, Greg and I are writing one now, actually, and we don't know what we're going to name it. But we're, uh, we're I mean, he's coming back and forth from Nashville. I'm going back and forth from uh, Atlanta. And we're 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 writing it. So, are you basing it on the course that you guys teach? Uh, no, we're we're trying to do a book nobody's done before, and and it's about not telling the truth and it's about deception. But it's not like how to spot a liar and all those types of things. As we lay it out, we keep going from it's going to be uh, what style of a book it's going to be. So really, I'm figured out how we're going to put all the information in it is it going to be more of a like a cookbook situation is it going to be more of a just an instructional situation is it what type it's going to be but it's going to be on um it's going to be online but not from an angle that everybody's used to it's going to be a little bit you different. can actually do two books then if you're confused on it one with the text and the other like a workbook that's true too. yeah i don't know if you, that would work for you but it's just a thought yeah yeah well, we've got to make one that's it's we, as we do it. We're we're trying to write it so it'd be it's like the kind I like to read are not. On one hand, I like the really hardcore research type things with all the information and all the encyclopedias. Know, I just love that. But on the other hand, the stuff that I started on wasn't that type of books. You know, the, you have to get somebody reading. You have to keep them reading. You have to be interested in, and it and it has to be interesting. So that's you know you ride that line. Because I'm always into giving as much valid, in-depth information as you can, but nobody wants all that stuff. You know, some people do, but that's well, a, it could be overwhelming to start, though, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you don't want that. You know, that's where uh, Greg and Joe's books. I mean, you read those and go, "Geez, man, this this is this sounds so simple. I'm going to be an expert." You know, and then when you try to you read through them, you try to remember it all, and you go in the kitchen and you talk to your mom or your wife or one of your friends, and you always lied about so and so, and you realize maybe they're not. But you might mm-hmm. score once or twice and go, oh, "That's you're lying about that," uh, and then you, that'll make you feel good that you that you found one. But after that, I mean, it can it can end relationships if you, if you do it wrong. You know, you can. You've, 
you've talked about that though that a good way to practice is i think you said in the grocery store and just kind of being playful no, oh yeah you know, nothing serious but just kind of like a yeah in oh, grocery really stores did. yeah you don't need all that nutrition you're not into that or or whatever just playing with people and yeah one, one of my favorite things to do is say where do i know you from i know you from so and so and start asking them questions about and i get to see them looking for these you know in their head do i know so and so do i know you from wherever it is and they'll have a sticker or something on their bag and they'll say i'm from the you know i'm into the whatever or like something hospital so i know they work at a hospital or that you know mm-hmm. that type of thing and so I'll start talking about doctors who don't exist. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know Dr. So-and-so. And, oh, okay, man, that's where it's from. Yeah, okay, sorry. But, so yeah. is that a way you can test almost because the visualization of whether they're actually trying to remember or they're actually trying to create? Um, or is there any truth to that? There's a One of the things I like to do is when I go to a restaurant and I go, tell me about the, like, there's, I remember one time we went into this one place and they had tongue. And I said, tell me about his tongue sandwich. Is that pretty good? Oh, yeah, it's really good. And I said, dude, you've never had one of those in your life, have you? And then that pause when they stop because they they haven't. You know, I don't know who eats that stuff. But the waiters who say, oh, it's wonderful. I said, well, tell me, when is the last time you had one? And you can see them searching for this information that they do not have. They're trying to say, oh, yeah, yesterday. You know, I was going, you didn't have that yesterday, man. Don't tell me that. And they go, well, it's really not that good. I didn't, you know, I wouldn't get it. So, <laughs> it's popular people like it I, yeah uh, so it's my thing yeah so it's just testing you know once you start doing it because you, you if not you're just sitting there at the house looking around going geez and you start watching the news trying to decide who's lying and they're all lying on the news you know looking the politics but it, going out and getting the, the the out in the wild and getting feedback and, and seeing what's working and what's not it's it's like you have to do people you don't know you know i guess but i still do it be, i got got in the habit of that when i was in junior high and just never stopped it that's one of the things i like to do when it's probably good just to practice for your work and everything else especially mm-hmm. if you're constantly approaching strangers i'm sure it helps you personality wise because i'm getting you're a bit of an introvert right yeah yeah a little bit i mean i i do talk a lot but that's only when we start talking about <laughs> this kind of stuff that i can't shut up or you're playing a role yeah yeah oh yeah yeah, if you're in an interrogation, you've got to be, and you can. If you're dealing with an alpha, and you have to act like an alpha. If that's the case, if if that's need being the case, then you have to be able to act that way. And if you're dealing with an in- introvert, then you have to, you know, act like an introvert so you can get along with them. Uh, that that whole uh, Erickson thing, you got to be able to um, mirroring. Yeah, matching and mirroring. So you've got to. I, I try to do that. Try to do that personality wise as well. In some cases, it doesn't always take that. You know. But that's that's one thing. Everybody has different ways of approaching it. Everybody has different tactics. As you go through, for example, like we talked about the read technique before, that's I, I like seeing that technique. It's kind of like a, 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 an old car, and you get an old car, and you put the, your favorite stuff. You put your favorite kind of wheels on there. You put you paint flames on the side if you want to. You put whatever you know, um, special spark plugs or whatever in there in them or the little what is it, the gear shifter so you can sure. dress it up and be the kind of car you want but it's still the same car and so in the read technique when it comes to um, stories and personalities and things as, as you talk to this person you you create stories what does read stand for by the way that's the guy's name oh okay. yeah yeah r-r-e-i-d that was the guy who came, who came up with the cop in, I believe, in Chicago, yeah, in Chicago. So that's the way I approach that because you have you have different stories you tell this person. For example, if you um, 
if I'm talking to you about um, robbing something or you've robbed something and I've looked at your background and I know for sure that you just got married and you just bought a car and you haven't been in this house you've been in very long. You just moved out from your parents' house and you just got, you know, since you just got married, you got to have your own pad. And as we're talking, I see, I, I use an example and I always use my old roommate, Andrew Connor from uh, when I was in Boston. And I say, I had a, a roommate that made a mistake similar to what you did. And then I, I make his mistake exactly what theirs was, just a little bit differently than what they've got. So my story in that is a little bit different for, for that person. It just It's the same story, but it fits that, that whatever that person did. That's how, in other words, I get in and sort of mold to, not mold to, what do you call it, uh, morph into that other person closely. I've got an experience similar to yours, the one you're sitting in. You know, so and he got away with what he did, and, and sometimes I wonder what would happen if he didn't get away, or what would happen if he got if he'd gotten caught. You know, what where would he be today? You know, I'd ask him things like that. Shoot, now I'm off on this tangent. I can't remember what your question was. How we got to that <laughs> right. spot? Holy smoke! Well, you know, it's funny. You brought up a cookbook earlier, things like that, and mm-hmm. I couldn't help but thinking, listening to you and others, and researching that this technique is is like cooking versus baking. Yeah, because there's an old thing that cooking is an art and baking is a science. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And when you have like uh, one of the great example I like to to keep going back to is as far as the cookbook as we put this thing together is you've got five or six ingredients that that you that you use for you know a hundred different things. You know, you've got uh, sugar, flour, butter, and what else goes into a cake and eggs. And then the same thing goes into cookies, but just how different you make them. And the same thing will go into pies. You just make them differently. You just add the ingredients, the same ingredients, you just add different amounts of them to make cookies or to make a cake or to make cornbread or to make this or to make that. So that's the way a lot of times I like to look at it as, as more of a, a recipe. When you're going in to interrogate someone, you say, oh, okay, I see now. I've got to lay back on my uh, being aggressive and go heavy on something's wrong with me or I'm not as smart as you are or I've <laughs> got to go heavy on I'm smarter than you or I'm just as narcissistic as you or, you know. So it just depends on the ingredients you add together to make that that person. You can do the, or your approach to that person to get information you need from. Same kind of thing goes into lying. But that's that's what we're that's what we're talking about making them uh, form this stuff together for on that book. Well, perfect. And until that point, people can catch you on videos on your site, right? So oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, I've started doing uh, one or two videos a week now. Depending on if somebody gets in trouble, that's when I start firing off four or five at a time. You know, as as mullet. Oh yeah, as the information comes in, I'll just squat them out real quick. Yeah, and what a we don't have to talk about that guy, but man. You look at that and you go, this guy's lying his hand in. It's, everybody knows it. You can take anybody. Dig a little deeper, though. Can you do one on uh, Kim Fox? Yeah. The prosecutor yeah. who was making the deals. No, I, I'm, sometimes the ancillary players are fascinating to do. Like, oh, yeah. Rahm Emanuel. Is he genuinely pissed? Or is I, he- <laughs> I think I think his ego is a little bit bruised in that situation. I think he's, I understand why you would ask that, but but he looks he looks um, mad to me because he's standing there. He's got the relationships with that police department and all that. I think he's I think he's a little bit angry. I think he's butting heads with whether whoever made that call. That's just what I think. I mean, what do I? Oh, I, I think guys. he's being legit when he said this is a whitewashing the travesty and oh so, yeah yeah. Um, and I think he's taking it personally. Because yeah. he made the comment about he as a Jew had put a Nazi flag on his lawn and did all. So mm-hmm. I, I 
that's where I was like, okay, yeah, this is personal. He yeah, very, very yeah. angry. Oh, he was, yeah, he was PO'd. So yeah, I think that I, I, it looks to me like it's real from that from that position. Well, that's anyway. cool. And you have a a course on there that you're doing with Greg as well. Oh yeah, body language tactics. And that's and what uh, is that all about? That, well, that sort of takes you from you can actually when you're finished with that, you'll know so much more about body language than uh, just reading a book. We do it uh, on there. We have these they're short little lessons. You know, they're you know, some are three minutes, some go to twelve minutes. But they're three, five, seven minutes long, and it takes you from the from the very basics of body language of what you're seeing, how to observe, to the intricacies of what you're looking for in an interrogation. And it takes a while to go through; it's like a, a month's worth of stuff. But it, it but you, it's we give it to you in pieces, you know, a little bit every day in the week. So when you go through, you go, oh, okay, I get it. And so you get you get the. Uh, the video and you watch the video and then you get audio, but the audio is Greg talking about if I do the, the video, then Greg will do the audio of the same thing, but he words it differently and he'll explain the same thing, but differently. So you get the visual part of it and you get to go through the video. Then you get the audio part of it. And then you get stuff written down. You can go through and, and check things off and look at them and say, Oh, I get that and download a bunch of stuff and a bunch of uh, PDFs and, and audio as well. So you can take it with you. And it's uh, it's going really well. I mean, it's it, it it sort of shocked both of us about how well it did. If you got listeners that want to take it, it's a little expensive. But if you want to, I'll give them a, I'll come up with a code. If you can think of a code, I'll put on it, and they can use. They can get in. For, how about unstructured? Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me write this down. So I'll say it's usually it's like you know a thousand two hundred fifty bucks twelve fifty. What what if I, what if we put them in for like. Uh, 99 bucks instead of like 1250 so if they want to do it i'll i'll put it in for nine let me write that down too hopefully greg won't kill me for that so we'll see if we get if they <laughs> for want that to much it. i'm gonna pay for it <laughs> yeah but um yeah so if they want to do it just go to bodylanguagetactics.com bodylanguagetactics.com and it'll the, when, when you go into pay there'll be a little thing that, that for you to put in the little code and that'll be the code unstructured so yeah, it'll be ninety nine bucks. I'll get on that as soon as we get off of this. Well, that's fantastic. And talking about a value add, yeah, get this yeah. course, then you can buy the books. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And for the money is saving, brother. but it's it's really interesting. It's really uh, all of our feedback's been really good. But it's really interesting the way it's done, and the uh, the setup goes from from the very basics. You know, from the very beginning of of how you start observing someone, what you're looking for, why you're looking for it, those types of things. And then we start going sure. through specifics of what to to look for, and then showing the examples of those things. Fantastic! Uh, definitely check that out, and everybody needs to check out your site and uh, all your social media links out of your site hmm. as well. Okay, yeah, just scottrouse.com. You can get to all of them from there. And Scott. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, you're welcome. I really enjoyed it. This has been great, and I, I really enjoyed the the pre-talking stuff we did as well. That was that was actually, <laughs> that was fun too. Wasn't Scott amazing? He drops knowledge like crazy. And how about that course? Seriously, I was a bit shocked when he offered such a good deal. Once again, if you haven't subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple other podcasts you might want to check out. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com.
I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that, that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money's a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm.